Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It is a big college game day today. College game day itself is in Knoxville, Tennessee. There are four big matchups in the Southeastern Conference today, including the one we have for you. A 5:06 kickoff tonight. It is LSU, the 17th-ranked Tigers, 1-2-1 on the season, 1-1 SEC play at 1-2-0-1 Auburn. LSU leads this all-time series 28-21-1. There's been some exciting games, to say the least, over this uh, series, including yeah, uh, some signature games that have come up with their own titles, the earthquake game, the interception game, the burning building game, the cigar game, the phantom uh, call game. game. Oh, yeah, the field goal game in Death Valley, which would Auburn missed five field goals that night. Uh, that was uh, right after Katrina, I believe what that about, was. What uh, about the D Bird game? The D Demetrius Bird game. 07. Oh yeah, no doubt about Go it. Go to the na- I mean, that w- without that, you don't yeah. you don't end up as natural champ. That that was that had a double title that team. I've almost like Auburn if the War Eagles or Tigers or Plainsmen. That was the D Bird slash. Uh, we had enough. We had another second on the clock game. Remember Coach <laughs> Miles' famous quote when uh, I forgot who the sideline reporter was that time. Asked, Coach, he said, "Oh no, we had another second yeah, on the clock." Yeah, just, just uh, <laughs> exactly. Kind of the old. We had him right where we yeah. wanted him. D- right Bird where we wanted him. Also hitting the uh, the John Cena can't see me. Yeah. After he scored, which that, that was at like the forefront of that celebration. It was not widespread uh, at the time. Well, T-Bob, when you look at this matchup, interesting, of course, LSU and Auburn. Scoring offenses really pretty much identical to each other. They're 10th and 11th in the conference, 26.7 to 23.7. But you got to kind of look at that and use caution because the majority of Auburn's 26 points scored this season came in one ball game when they hung 50-plus on Arkansas State. They yeah. didn't really score much on Clemson. They didn't really score much on A&M. And I guess you could kind of give twofold credit to A&M because uh, Chavis' defense is a little better. And also a standpoint that, uh, you know, I, I, I would like to say maybe Auburn A&M had something to do with it, but I don't know how much they could have turned things around that fast for them not to be able to move the ball on A&M. You would think of one team in the West – that's given up a lot of yards over the course of times and points. It has been a and I do think, though, I do think this is a different defense under John Chavis. It's not dominant like the LSU or Tennessee defenses, but it is. It's definitely not the A&M defense that we've seen recently. And look, and the the, the other part is they have Miles Garrett. Uh, oh, who yeah. is arguably the best player in the entire SEC. And and when you look at that AM defensive line, LSU needs to emulate their performance. performance. AM racked up four sacks, 13 tackles for loss. And, and, and Deke, when you look at it now, this Auburn offensive line has been horrendous. They've given up 32 negative plays. 32. That is by far the most in the entire country. And then you look, they're going to have to deal with Arden Key the best pass, the most productive pass rushing outside linebacker in the entire nation. Second in the nation with sacks, uh, with five of them. And they're moving him around. And then if you if you focus on Artiki, if you chip him, if you devote resources there and you beat him, then you got Lewis Neal, who has two and a half sacks on the year. So in the same way that, uh, that A&M was able to disrupt this Auburn offense through superior defensive line play, LSU must emulate it. And it's going to be with this uh, – they're calling it like the mesh rush, all it is. So when a team runs a zone read, they're trying to get the backside defensive end in a tough spot, right? Do I play the quarterback? Do I play the running back? 
Well, A&M said, we're not going to play the read. They're just charging the handoff, trying to get there and disrupt it. I expect Auburn to do the same. I look for Arden Key to have a big game. I look for Lewis Neal to have a big game. Well, we're at Gleason Graw, and the man knows an awful lot about the Gleason family. It's Steve's father-in-law, Mr. Paul. Mr. Paul, good to see you again. How are you? Great to see you. Always uh, glad to have Steve you. you know, absolutely. It was Paul, interesting welcome, when, when we pulled up, you know, they, they were saying, and it doesn't seem, everybody always says time flies, but this is the sixth one. Sixth I mean, that, that's amazing. Yeah, you it's know? hard to believe. I mean, he, he was diagnosed in 2011, formed the foundation in 2011, and uh, I partnered with some guys that had done this before, and they said, man, we'd love to do it, and it's been a fun event for the last six years. Right, and, you know, I know some people probably come, and, and you know, they'll say, well, you know, you kind of look at when you get there certain during the day, but because it's a day-long event, it's kind of sporadic. You have some people. I know when we had the running going on a lot earlier, there were a lot more people here. Yeah. Some people are coming out after a while when Drew comes to throw a football. But the numbers are what's most important. And I saw a lot of people over there in the tent that buy the special tickets. Right. Where, where are the numbers as far as raising the money for ALS awareness? So, so, so far, we're, we're ahead of last year. We oh, had tremendous good. response on the race. I think we had almost 1,500 racers. Wow. And the reason you don't see a lot of people in the middle right now because we created this new tent, the sports bar, which is air-conditioned, mm -hmm. yeah. six TV screens. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all piled in there, and understandably so. It's pretty hot. And then we have our VIP tent right. where we have free food and drinks from uh, eight restaurants of the finest restaurants in the city. And, uh, you know, it's a lot, of, lot for everybody. We have this great kids' tent, yeah. merchandise, lots of food vendors out here, and good music. So there's no reason not to come out other than the heat. But, yeah. you know, forget about it. Have a few beers, and you'll be all right. And and you're look, all good. And, man. you know, if you're looking to the come out. The beer's cold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like Paul said, for kids, they, they've got a lot. My, my daughter Emma is here with us. She's had her face painted. She's getting her hair braided. they got video games to play. Yeah. So And, they, and don't think you're going to be sitting out in the sun, like Paul said. They've got air conditioning for you. You can go watch all the games. And they, has this been kind of like a, a trial? and error thing when you get each year and you go like well this worked but i think if we added this because that that right there where you added right, that tent, absolutely that's a drawing card right we, there you know listen because of steve we get so many people who reach out to us you know he's very inspirational as you guys know so many people reach out to us to help us and there's a guy that uh, does these sets in las vegas and he just said look yeah. i'll do this and make it look like a real lounge with all the graphics and we call it gleason 37 club uh, we had the tent early, but it wasn't enclosed. It wasn't. We didn't have the TVs last year. So you're absolutely right. Oh, yeah. Every year we evaluate what we're doing. We see what works, what doesn't. We try to make it better. And, and when you look, Paul, so it's been in Champion Square this year. It's in Mid City. I, I, I mean, I. And this is not, you know, anything against Champion Square, but I really do love this location. Right? It feels much more like as big as it's gotten and like you said there's been tons of improvements and yes when you go inside these tents there's couches there's tvs it's ac but it has this incredible community feel yeah and is that, that something that y'all are actively striving for yes actually that's why you know we, we debated even last year after we did the first you know we got to go back to champions because champions offers a lot of good things yes. as well and we had some great successful things there but but this is, is family. It's community. We, we believe that the Mid-City area is really coming back Love strongly. And there's so many good people around. It's a lot of walking distance for yep. a lot of people, easier to get to to, to a certain extent. So we love it here in, in uh, St. Margaret's Nursing Home, which also houses our office, and we have the Teen Gleason House there. Okay. They have graciously allowed us to, to use their space. And uh, Cobalt across the street gave us some parking, so we're good. And it's a great event, great space. Talking to Paul Verisco, Steve Gleason's father. Father-in-law, an integral part of Team Gleason. And, Paul, talk a little bit about the music lineup y'all got planned today. It's pretty Good. spectacular. We, well, we had the bag of donuts early to entertain the runners. We had John Michael, who's a very close friend to Steve. Uh, right now we have a great little new group called Alexis and the Samurai. 
And at 2.15, yours truly, me, will go up with my band from 50 years. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, at 2.15 to 3.45, then we have the Hot 8 Brass Band. And the, and the uh, ending culmination is Bonorama. Yes. So, Paul, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing like a little maybe you, 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 is, you could play a little Sinatra, a little oh, Matilda, <laughs> kind of some oldies, some well, rock and roll. You, you'll recognize some of the stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. But you, you got something for everybody, That's though. what we that's try to good. do. We try so, to do it. So, Paul, let, let, let people know. If they're listening to this right now, maybe they weren't playing. They'd be like, hey, it's a nice day. I want to go out there. How can you get tickets? Where do you need to go? Come to the door. Ten bucks to get in. Five dollars for kids. And Whoa. We, we recommend it very highly. Come on out now. Yeah. We have plenty of space for you in the hot sun. But it's good sun. You're going to... Wear some sunscreen, get but tan. you can have fun. That's right. You get a little tan. You will have some that's, fun. And that's bang for your book. Now I see tell you, loads my, of my people. My daughter got $5 worth of balloons. There you go. Yeah, I promise you, <laughs> and one kids trip. will have a good time here. There's more yep. things than they can uh, do. Well, Paul, as always, thank you so much. Thank you. We appreciate it. It's a great thank set We love up. you guys. Congratulations. We appreciate all the support yes, always. Thank, thank you so Thank you so much. much. All right, 260-1870. You can text us at 870-870. LSU and Auburn coming up tonight. We'll take a timeout, and then we'll come back, and we'll get T-Bob and I's take. We'll look in the front seven in the trenches. Auburn's defensive front and LSU's defensive front. A lot of power on both, but so far it's been LSU's defensive front when you're comparing the numbers of each of these two that shows up more statistically in the country and in the SEC, which could both be very important today. Both front sevens, we're trying to stop each team's run. That's the ser- most serious threat for each offense, Auburn's running offense and LSU's as well. Count you down to LSU and Auburn right here on WWL. Losing to them a couple years ago, I mean, we, we obviously had our our chance to, to beat them last year, but I think going back to their stadium, we'll be able, we'll be able to recall what happened a couple of years ago and use that as motivation, sure. Counting you down to LSU and Auburn this evening, a 5.06 kickoff here on WWR Radio. The point out that Purple and Gold point out that your chance to sound off will have all full scoreboards. A look in the SEC, State College football, and your chance to sound off on LSU and Auburn. 260-1870, you can text us at 870-870. All right, T-Bob, let's size up LSU's defensive front and Auburn's offensive line. What I like to see on this side, T-Bob, is when you look when Coach, uh, I guess you'd say Coach Aranda, but when Coach Ogeron sends, got y'all in on that right defensive end and you put key on that right side, and when those two are coming down, they've had a lot of success with that. And then they spotted key in the middle, if you remember, at the end of the game last week, he kind of moved around and got that last sack on uh, the Fitzgerald yeah. quarterback from State, which was big, actually, the guy, uh, Williams, who was in there for Fitzgerald late in the, in game. the game. Yeah, which was huge. But I think that that is going to be today when you're looking up, T-Bob, what happens in today is zone assignment in your lane assignment because Auburn is a read. It's going to be a, a game to where it's, I think fans are getting used to it, but get ready to be patient because when they come to the line of scrimmage, they're not snapping the football. They're going to look at the defense. They're going to look back to the coaches. They're going to look at the defense. They're going to look back at the coaches, and they're going to be looking to see, and I would be willing to bet, key over the course of the first three games of the season has drawn their attention as much if not more than anybody from the LSU defense. Yeah, Arden I mean, key. look, I, when you're looking at the top performers of LSU defense, it's Trey White and Arden Key thus far. I think I still give a uh, maybe a slight advantage to Trey White, although I don't know. What Arden Key has yeah. done has been absolutely spectacular. One interesting thing of note, Deke, is that while Key is still considered, I guess for just like technical reasons, a 3-4 outside linebacker, the majority of his success or a lot of his success has come when he's got to put his hand, hand in the, the dirt, ground. when That's he's got right. to move to that 4-3. So one thing I'm interested to see is how much 4-3 does LSU play versus 3-4. And then as far as his own read, look, against Jacksonville State, we, we they, they ran the zone read 26 times. They got over 100 yards on LSU. If you look, the Tigers got better as the game went on defending it. 
The big question last week with Nick Fitzgerald was could they stop a quarterback in Fitzgerald who was coming off a 176-yard game? Well, they shut him down. I think he averaged somewhere uh, along the, somewhere in the neighborhood of one yard per carry. So I like the fact that coming into this matchup with the Gus Malzahn offense, with Auburn, and although you know this is not the Malzahn offenses of old, it still can be potent. They still lead the SEC in rushing. So I love the fact that LSU kind of got two tune-up games against some zone reads to get ready for this game. I think it puts them in a perfect position. And, Deke, one group that has to step up today, has to play well, and – it's not that they've played poorly thus far, but you just haven't thought about them that much. And that these, that's these linebackers, mm-hmm. uh, Kendall Beckwith and Duke Riley. Um, once again, it's not that they've been uh, poor. Uh, I think there were some struggles in the Wisconsin game, tackling especially. And they were just on. out there too long in their first half. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, look, a lot of I mean, well, look. And I know where you're going. I mean, we, neither one of us are making excuses about it, but that's, that's just how the game no, played out. I think Wisconsin won that game in the look, first half. Look, how do you beat a good defense? You tire them out. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. who it is. It, it, it's just a law of nature when it comes to defense. The way to win is to keep them on the field as long as possible. That said – while while they've been okay, they haven't. You, we haven't. You know, you haven't been like, wow, Duke Riley or Kendall Beckwith just dominated tonight. They played such a good game. Maybe tonight is going to be that night. Uh, one thing, Deke, that LSU has to focus on. We mentioned the Auburn home game losing streak. Now, what that does is two things. First, it creates a fan base that's going to be almost expecting to lose. It creates a fan yeah, base. Yeah, they on edge already. If you come out and you hit him early, you punch him in the jaw off the bat. You'll see a lot of the fans at stadium just throw up their hands, say, oh, well, here we go again. They might even start heading yeah. out. That's how bad it's gotten. You now, know, their first five games were at home, T-Bob. All, all, all four in September, and they play Monroe next week, their first five games at home. And going back to your point, uh, you, you're talking about Clemson. Okay, hey, we, we weren't expecting to win. I don't think many people thought they could win. We played hard against Clemson. A&M, it started to get a little raggedy, so to speak, because people are used to seeing that at least you can move the ball on A&M. And like you said, that could be twofold because Chiefs defense has improved. But today, against more of a team that's more of a natural rival in your fit, a team that you've had some success against and they've had success against you home and away, some, I could see the crowd turning on them, T-Bob, if LSU could jump on that big lead. Yes. Now, the flip side of that and where it could be a bit dangerous is in, you know, in this losing streak, it creates a sense of desperation. Ain't no doubt. Where fans are desperate for any ray of hope to latch on to, you know, any positivity to sink their teeth into. And let's say Auburn gets a big turnover off the bat. What if they return a kick for a touchdown? Something along those lines, a, a big, you know, a long passing. Any to kind of trick spark play. they need. Anything, anything. All of a sudden, you are now in an incredibly hostile environment. Oh, yeah. You are now in an environment that is so sick of losing, they're going to pour every ounce of energy that they have into fueling their team, trying to feed their team energy and, and push the Plainsmen uh, to a win. So L- the, the start of this game will be critical, which isn't – well, it's been a mixed bag for LSU when you look at starts this year. It was yeah. terrible the first two games. It looked like it was going to be terrible the third game, and then Danny Etling and DJ Shark yeah. back step up in a big way, complete the third and 10 40-yard touchdown what? pass. They're going to need something similar today if they're going to uh, attempt to take that crowd out of it. And, and, and two, T-Bob, you know, it's, it's like kind of one of the things – and I guess I'll bring this up because I saw it the other night against your, your daddy's wishes. He told me, Deke, don't go see Sully because, you know, I'm scared to fly. But I went to go see it. But the oh. point was he brought, up a, he brought up a part in this movie when they were kind of challenging him about how he chose to land the plane in the water, which was the most dangerous part. 
versus what the model told him. The computer said this, and he said, you're not factoring in the human element. And you can't factor in the human element here. And what I'm trying to bring up is that you got to remember for a month, for a year, for the entire whole whatever, Auburn has been the butt of watching number seven steamroll him over and over oh, and over and that's over and point. over again, T-Bob. And they've had to relive it and relive it. And, look, Leonard may do that again today. But you know what? If he wound up with 240 last year, if he gets 140 this year, it'll be as hard as the 240 he got last year because they're going to be hell-bent on at least, hey, you know what? We weren't that bad as we were last year. You're a great back, but we can play harder than that. And it's much like the Saints in beast mode with Marshawn Lynch. You saw it over and over and over again. You can't factor that in, T-Bob. They're sick of seeing that. And the only way they can halfway, you, you can't take that away, but the only way you can halfway like, okay, we're better than that is to play better today. Yeah, have you ever seen the movie John Wick, Keanu Reeves? Yeah, really good yeah, movie. yeah, well, yeah. Well, uh, you know, they're talking about, you. the guy's like, you talk about the Wick like he's the boogeyman. He says, right. you send the Wick to kill the boogeyman. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> Leonard Fournette is Auburn's John Wick, right? right? I mean, he right. he he ran through the entire team last year, quite literally. 19 carries, 200 yards, three touchdowns, 14 broken tackles. And like you said, Deke, it was Leonard Fournette's entire Heisman reel. Oh, yeah. A third, a half That's of it That's when he separated himself in yes. the first half season from everybody. That's when he was declared oh, the Heisman God. winner, right? Yeah. It, was, oh, it was him and then everybody else. So <laughs> because of that, Auburn – for a year, they've had him circled on the calendar, all the old cliches. They're going to do everything they can to stop him. Where Auburn is a bit lucky in this sense is that you are not getting full-strength John Wick. Yeah. Much like the new John Wick sequel, I have some questions about where he's at. Uh, when you look, the high ankle sprain, man. Dr. Yeah. Jerry Punch on the broadcast last weekend. That'll nag you Putting all it year. out there. That is an injury that does not go away. I mean, look. I did not. I had sources telling me, Deke, that Fournette wasn't even going to play last week. Right. So for well, him if you to recall, T, originally it was just an ankle sprain. They didn't classify it as a high. And I remember your daddy yeah, saying on the radio, it, they, yeah. yeah, like, well, as long as it's not a high, that's a good time. Now it turns out to be high. That is a nagging injury. Well, and it's not going to go away all no. year. And, and, uh-uh. and, and what you saw last week, have, especially at that position where you have to cut, which puts so much pressure on that high ankle, for him to go out there, carry the ball 28 times, for 150 yards, yes, I know there were fumbles, and, and I do believe that to be the exception, not the rule. Mm-hmm. But it was just an incredibly tough. It was just an incredibly tough performance from number seven last Saturday. No doubt about it. Two six zero one eight seven. Let's go to Ron on line one. Ron, thank you for calling WWL. Yeah, thank you guys for taking my call. I just yes, wanted sir. to say, um, when LSU plays Auburn, if that quarterback distributes the ball to the guys who playmakers. It's gonna make the team much better, and they're gonna move. Now you're talking about you're talking about Edling for LSU, Ron. Yes. Okay, okay. Yes, Edling, and he distributes all those all that talent that they have out there. It's gonna be a much better scenario for LSU because I mean it, it takes a quarterback. He can't put too much pressure on himself, but he just gotta do the job and make the play. Um, yeah. Well, Ron, I was just going to say, I'm surprised that we went this long in the show without mentioning Danny Elling, but you're absolutely right. This represents a big test for him. Look, what Danny Elling has shown you thus far has been on the whole positive. He was over 60%, over 200 yards. That's all we've asked for LSU quarterbacks for years now. If you can emulate those performances, you will unlock this offense. You will start to maximize the effectiveness of uh, Leonard Fournette. Now, 
there are still some questions. There have been bad streaks of play. We haven't seen him in this uh, in this road type of environment. How does he continue to play when teams start game planning for him, when they have more film on him, and they can see what he struggles with and what he succeeds at? Uh, that said, there is a ton of positive momentum surrounding Danny Etling right now. And Deke, the more I learn about this kid, really the more impressive he becomes. Eagle Scout, everybody keeps harping on his preparation, how no one outworks him. But the weird part about that is then it becomes, well, what happened at Purdue? And then why wasn't he starting to begin with? Yeah. As far as the first question is concerned, Purdue was terrible at the time. Right. Terrible I, I offensive line. They ran through three different quarterbacks. Actually, Purdue's other quarterback that took Etling's job is now starting for Florida. Right. Uh, Appleby. Mm -hmm. So, so, well, so it, don't judge him too much for the Purdue transfer. I, as to the second question, why wasn't he started to begin with? That I do not know. Right. And that is a question that only Coach Miles can answer. All right, Ron, I got go ahead and finish up. But I, I just wanted to say, y'all remember, Drew Brees came from Purdue. They've yeah. always been a passing team, whether they won in the Big Ten or not. They taught those quarterbacks the way to pass and be a professional quarterback. Now, and this look, and, got, and, and, go ahead, Ron. Go, go ahead, Ron. Sorry. This, this, kid, this kid's got the talent. He just has to use the talent around him. And that's what Drew does. So let's take yeah. Purdue from Purdue. And, and, and look, when you look at Etling, he reminds you, and not in um, not in production, not in skill level. I'm just talking about looks. Just like looking at him, he has a Drew Brees type of feel. He's six one, so he's uh, a bit on the shorter side compared to some of his O linemen. Uh, he's got really good pocket presence, even if he's not uh, super athletic. He kind of has that same thing where he almost looks like he's looking up, like Drew Brees right. is a lot of times. Uh, as well, and, and he says that Drew Brees is here, right? He tries to emulate. He tries to emulate how hard he works. I don't think Danny Elling is Drew Brees, but I'm starting to become a believer that he could be pretty I, damn good, man. And he had a ton of hype coming out of high yeah, school as well. I, I think when you finally got the LSU fans, or, or at least at the very least, excited about or, or confident about, is you have a quarterback that you can see what teams do. You know, you can have a good – LSU in the past has had good performances in one part of the season, but it's like, okay, is this going to be the one performance we look back on and this was our best game, or do we overall the course of a season, do we continuously try to improve from week to week? I think you've got a quarterback in there now, T-Bob. If you go back and look what he did against Jacksonville State, he improved from that game until last week yep. to Mississippi State. And I think if he can do that again today and continue to be a quarterback that improves from week to week, then LSU, may, they make him become the team that was bought in all that hype to start the season. Jeff Palermo joins us now. Jeff, obviously, this is a huge game for many aspects, certainly for both coaches, Gus and Les. But a guy like Dan, Danny Etling can really, uh, you know, he can really, and even though Auburn is a team that hasn't won many games, they've struggled, uh, been more known for being overhyped, over, overrated for anything the last 24 months. A road win today gives a guy like Danny Etling more respect, more kudos, and opens up a lot of eyes. Oh, no doubt about it. When you think about it, you're talking about a guy who is, uh, you know, just a junior at this point. He plays well in this game. I mean, he's your he's your quarterback for the next year and a half, right, barring injury. I mean, if he plays well, we yeah, know what you think about that. You know, to a win over Auburn, uh, you know, I think he, he's the guy that, uh, you know, LSU counts on here for – his remaining time here in Baton Rouge. So this is a big game. I think it, it helps in the fact that he's played at places like Penn State. He's played at Notre Dame. He's played in, you know, South Bend. So he's, he's faced the big environment. 
It's going to be raucous tonight in Auburn, and I think, uh, I think he can handle the situation that's going to be presented in front of him. And, and, Jeff, sticking with Danny Etling for a second, so one of the weird quotes to come out of the Jacksonville State game had to do with Darius Geis talking about Danny Etling's nerves. All right, if you could just get him to calm down a little bit, not be so nervous, uh, that he's, you know, that, that, that he's going to be very good. Um, have they addressed anything of the sort? I mean, have you all asked Danny Etling about this, or, or do, you believe, uh, do, you, do you believe him ready to go into a hostile Jordan-Hare and uh, help the Tigers come out with a win? Well, LSU Tigers. Well, I, I think he, he's obviously um, much. To me, he seems much more calm and. That's cool yeah. I, I, I agree. Harris, I agree. Uh, I agree. Like without that's why the Darius guy's quote was odd because without that, I never would have. I never would have gone there. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I think I might have been standing next to Darius when he made that comment, and I thought maybe he <laughs> kind of misunderstood the question and thought maybe the person <laughs> was asking about Brandon Harris, but. Uh, so far, I, I mean, Geis is, or excuse me, uh, Danny Etling has, has shown that he can handle the big stage, it seems like. And now, granted, uh, he's only faced teams like Jacksonville State and Mississippi State. Mississippi State, a team that could finish last in the SEC West. So, yeah, um, most likely you know, will. He, 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 he hasn't Wait. gone up against any kind of top 25 competition. Not right. saying that Auburn is, but. I think every game so far has been a nice step for him. You go up against Jacksonville State, an FBS team, Mississippi State. Uh, you know, obviously step up from that, and, and I think this is another step up. I think it's it's worked uh, kind of well for the coaching staff is that they've kind of uh, gotten his feet wet as the season has gone along. Haven't you know they're not they're not throwing him there against uh, Alabama as far as his first game. So he's had a chance to grow and develop in this offense uh, without facing a, a huge challenge right off the bat. With Jeff Palermo, columnist at WWL.com, Louisiana Network Sports Director at Jeff Palermo, LRN, on Twitter. And, Jeff, when you look at it, the LSU has not been able to kind of uh, mesh offensively up front when it's speaking of the offensive line. And I was reading today, I believe it was in the Advocate, that Weathersby didn't even make the trip. What is the offensive line looking at going into today? <laughs> Well, I guess that means you're going to have Teahuma starting over at right tackle. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll see where they, you know, I think everybody else should be good to go. So, you know, that obviously means K.J. Malone back over at left tackle. And he, if he's healthy and uh, Ethan Postick's at center. So, I think, and Moody and uh, Class are stars. So, I think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how they play. I didn't think they played very well. at uh, Obviously, they didn't play very well at Lambeau Field. And that was a bit of a road environment, you know, with more Wisconsin fans. Let's see how they react on the road. It's it's amazing that you still watch and an offensive line functions so much differently, so much better at home compared to on the road. I didn't think these O-line really played very well against Wisconsin. They got another road test here. Let's see if they learn something a little bit from that and are able to operate better in front of a loud crowd. Jeff, uh, were you surprised to hear Coach Miles field a question about Leonard Fournette struggling thus far this season? Uh, I, I've been kind of amazed at the how the fan base, I think, more <laughs> more than uh, Coach Left Miles, uh, you know, just the fan base questioning whether, you know, what kind of running back Leonard Fournette is. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the problem is, is that we, we weren't, we, we don't understand the severity of the injury that he had. You know, yeah. uh, Miles, I don't want to say dismissed it, but obviously downplayed it in, in fall camp when he got hurt. 
he, he downplayed it after he got hurt in the Wisconsin game, basically saying he thought that he'd be able to play the next week, and then he doesn't play against Jacksonville State. So when you don't have a, That's a good sense, point, yeah, when you don't have a sense of the idea of how hurt he is, you know, one thing that Miles has always said though about him is is trying to get him in better shape, uh, which is amazing when you look at the guy. You, you just think he's uh, there's nobody that can be in better shape than Leonard Fournette when you just watch him out on the field. Uh, I also think that what he did last year in that that two or three game run against Auburn and Syracuse, where he was basically unstoppable. I think it set the it, it set the, the bar so high for him. I mean, you you just can't expect a guy to rush for 200 yards every game. It's just not yeah. going to happen. And so the expectations for him. So when he has a game like he did last week, where he what rushes for 140 yards. I mean, had some people saying, "Well, I saw him running out of bounds," or "Well, this is." I mean, I I, I don't know. I mean, I, I still think he's the best. Uh, he's, he's still the best offensive player I know as you've seen. I think he's one of the top five offensive players in college football, and uh, he's a pretty darn good back. And he, and he is going to have his—he is going to have his special game where he just completely goes off. Maybe it's against Auburn today, or it's somewhere down the road. But uh, he is a guy that I think has been hampered a little bit by this uh, nagging ankle injury that turned into a bruise and. We'll see. Maybe he, uh, we see it will be even a, a better Leonard Fournette here. But what we've seen so far from Leonard has been pretty darn good. All right, Jeff, LSU a slight favorite on the road. This could be a big, big victory for the Tigers, more so than a lot of people outside looking in could understand. Your take, LSU and Auburn, who's going to win? Well, I'm anticipating a low-scoring game. I mean, when you look back at the history of LSU games at Auburn, there's not many points scored, especially – from the Tigers. Uh, they've only scored more than 20 points twice uh, since 1994, if you can believe that. And they only won one of those games. So they don't score many points. I think this is a low-scoring game. You know, and L- LSU somehow squeezes it out 21-17. Jeff Palermo. Jeff, how can people follow you on Twitter? At Jeff Palermo, LRS. Jeff, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. All right, guys. Thanks. All right, we will continue talking about LSU and Auburn. We'll come back. We'll take a look at the special teams from each one of these teams and where they stand up going into this day's matchup, field goal kicking, punt returns, punt return as far as punt average, and kickoffs and kickoff return average as well. He's T-Bob Baybear. I'm Deke Bellabier. Getting you set for LSU and Auburn, a 5.06 kickoff tonight right here on Tiger Radio and the punt after after LSU and Auburn tonight on WWL. He is one of the best in the country. Uh, he's a real confident guy. He's got great ball skills. He's their punt returner. Uh, he's just a really good football player. And you got to be aware of where he's at. And they move him around. They do a good job of moving him around. He doesn't line up just in one spot all the time. And welcome back. Gus Malzahn talking about special teams for the LSU Tigers. Welcome back. T-Bob Bear and myself live at Gleason Grove 2016 Yo, here in New Orleans. And uh, let's focus in on the special teams. And T-Bob, what's interesting here is uh, we'll look at, I'll go straight to punting. And when you talk about the conference, uh, they rank usually in certain categories, all 14 teams, but they rank the top 10 punters as far as punting and punting average. And neither LSU nor Auburn is among the top 10 punters as far as punting and net average, which the lowest is 42.2, no LSU and no Auburn. So they've kind of been uh, shaky, so to speak, punting 
And you got to wonder yeah. today, T. Bob, who comes up with a short field. LSU's got make break people in this in the uh, punt return department. Uh, when you're talking about punt return averages today, LSU is at 11.8. Well, you got Trey White. Yeah, anything over double digits is good, and Auburn's at 7.0. But, I, I, you know, we've seen this many times before come down to special teams. That could be key today, especially in the punt game. Well, look, in any LSU game, uh, because of the nature of the offense, field position is going to take on added importance, right? When you run an old-school, uh, more pro-style attack, you are just inherently more reliant on field position. That said... Uh, I don't really know what to expect out of punter Josh Groudon. It's been such an up-and-down year for him. Uh, the third Aussie punter in a row for LSU had maybe the worst debut of any punter in recent memory, Deke, when you think about that Wisconsin game. Seemed like poor punt after poor punt. I've never seen a fan base so upset with a punter, like calling him out by name. Right. Uh, then, But these last couple of games, he's been much better. I think about a couple bombs that he sent out recently. So I don't know. Fully what to expect out of Josh Brown. I will say this, though, is that at least he seems to have improved, right? Like, from the even though he struggled the first game, he struggled less the second game, then he struggled less uh, the third game. So I'll be interested to see if he remains on that trajectory. And, and he's another guy who, uh, although this is an LSU team with a ton of experience, he is still going to be new to punting in this hostile environment. How does he handle it? Can he keep composed? Uh, he seemed to struggle a bit at Wisconsin. Can he bounce back and then give LSU the field position that they're going to need uh, in order to win? And then, T-Bob, when you look at kickoff coverage, LSU is tops in the conference, getting a 47.4 net average, while Auburn is at ninth. Field goals now, this is what's interesting. is you know LSU obviously has been solid in the field goal department as a body of work on the last mile since he got here in 2005. But not so much this year. And Daniel Carlson is one of the best in the SEC and the country for Auburn so far this year. He is uh, in three games. He's six of six. He's made a long of 53, which is third longest in the conference. You had uh, the kid from, God, was it Ole Miss? No, the kid from South Carolina made that 55-yarder when South Carolina beat Vanderbilt the first game of the season on that Thursday night. He's made a 53-yarder. He's six of six. And also, when you're talking about PAT, he's not Mr. PAT, too, as well. So keep an eye on that. Daniel Carlson is somebody, T-Bob, that, that Auburn relies on. Now, you, know, you were thinking a game like today, they, they're going to need more sevens and threes. But if it happens to be one of those tight contests, yeah, you he, never could, know. he could wind up being the difference. And when you can nail a 50-plus yarder, they got a lot of confidence in you. I mean, look, let's be clear. This We could be due for a defensive struggle here. Uh, right? I mean, very well w- could w- be. Which is funny because with Might Gus, be a 12-10 game. Well, in the, in the first few years of the Gus Malzahn uh, era at Auburn, you would have not thought, oh, it could be a defensive struggle. You thought Auburn was going to put up points. you got to try to keep up. But these are two offensive line deeks that represent some of the biggest question marks on their entire teams, and they're going against two defensive lines. Anytime you see that kind of advantage, like, okay, I would liken it a bit to that Saints game last weekend. Although the Saints don't have the best defensive line, they're still, uh, you know, they, they they still did pretty well against that Giants offensive line. It's the Giants defensive line did well against the Saints offensive line, and what it led to was a 16-13 game. And if those two teams can go 16-13, then you better believe 
that Auburn and LSU can go somewhere in that range. He's T-Bob Abay at T-Bob53 on Twitter. I'm Deke Belavere. One more big hour to go, including we'll take a look from the LSU side of things with Brian Lazar, senior writer at TigerBait.com, and Brian Matthews from Auburn 24-7 Sports. Plus, we'll get you T-Bob's prediction. Counting down to LSU and Auburn, a 5:06 kickoff tonight right here on Tiger Radio. This is WWL. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.